toddler's ABCs. Athletics beyond coronavirus. Hillel Cutler's ABCs. Athletics beyond coronavirus. Hillel Ascribe Welcome to Hillel Cutler's ABCs, Athletics Beyond Coronavirus. I'm Hillel Cutler, a veteran journalist who specializes in both healthcare and sports. Sometimes I write about healthcare within sports, like medical providers who work at ski resorts or those tending to athletes at the Olympics. In this era of the coronavirus and the lockdown that is helping to save our lives by limiting the spread of the disease, I think often of what the people who work in sports are experiencing at a time that they would normally be on the field, the court, or the rink. I think of the athletes, the coaches, the broadcasters, the executives, the game day staff, and I'm interested in how fans are faring now. On this podcast, I interview them about the very real here and now, and also about the day after, when the lives that we prefer to live can resume, and when the sports we love return. I welcome your comments, including suggestions for interviews. Just email me at hk at hillelbescribedcommunications.com. My guest today is Bobby Nystrom, who played right wing for 14 years in the NHL, all with the New York Islanders. In seven of those seasons, he scored 20 or more goals. He scored 235 goals for his career. In the playoffs, he added 39 goals. The 19th of those 39 playoff goals occurred 40 years ago this month. It's the one goal that no Islanders fan will ever forget. Bobby Nystrom, welcome to Hello Cutler's ABCs, Athletics Beyond Coronavirus. Well, thank you. Um, it's a pleasure being here. Okay, Bobby, you don't need my help, but I'll take you back 40 years. The Islanders are playing in their first Stanley Cup final. It's May 24th, 1980, an afternoon game in Nassau Coliseum. The Islanders lead three games to two over the Philadelphia Flyers, and the score is 4-4, to heading into overtime. If the Flyers score, then the series will return to Philadelphia for Game 7, and if the Islanders score, they'll win the Stanley Cup. Less than seven minutes into overtime, Flyers defenseman Ben Wilson attempts a long pass along the boards to Ken Linsman, but it skips past him all the way down the ice. Ken Morrow, the defenseman, touches it for icing. Your line is not on the ice for that play, but the icing sets up what became the most memorable play in Islanders history. Your line, yourself at right wing, Lauren Henning at center, John Tonelli on the left wing, comes out to join defensemen Stefan Pearson and Dave Langevin. Let's listen to what Dan Kelly, CBS's play-by-play announcer, and Lou Nanny, the color man. That's something that they're going to have to guard against. When you're in overtime, many times you see the defenseman just shoot it out of the zone, try and get it out along the board, play it off the glass so someone can really get a good hold on it and play it. But off times it goes down for icing. And when that happens, you're creating a critical situation because on a draw like this with a fellow like Henning, should he win it and get nice from the shot, they can end that game. Basically anticipated the play. 30 seconds later, he was almost dead on. So I'll play the rest, and we'll watch. We'll watch it here. What comes it right after that? On the faceoff, Flyers come up with it, and Dupont gives it to Hill, number 15. Lead pass to Richmond. Longevin for the Islanders breaks it up to Pearson. To Henning, he directs it into the Philadelphia zone. Daily for Philadelphia. Hammered against the boards by Nystrom. And Dupont is there to clear it away. Comes into the center ice area. Island 
Islanders, number 10, Henning. To Tonelli. Here's Tonelli with Nystrom. The pass to Nystrom. Oh, Nystrom! when you hear that and you see it <laughs> no it's a magical moment and it's something that i've watched uh, over and over again um, and you know what i still get the same feeling it's it's just absolutely fantastic i i always say uh, thank goodness I, I i had the opportunity to score that goal because i mean people remember it and they, they remember where they were and they, they always congratulate me for it so it was a magical moment. How often do people come up to you to say that they were there or they watched it or it gave them a good feeling to have lived through them? It's, it's endless. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, it's absolutely fantastic. And some of the places that they were, uh, it, it was absolutely amazing to hear them tell what they were doing and, and how they were focused on the game, you know, even if they were at work or, or doing anything like that. Uh, they, uh, they remember that moment. We went back and scored. I went in and I hit Bob Daly really pretty high, and I brought up my elbows a little bit. And I always think if I would have gotten a penalty there, boy, that would have been tough. And you know, like there's such a margin between being a goat and, and, and being a hero. And I was just thankful that they didn't call a penalty on that play. Yeah, but that four check was everything. I mean, that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no question about it, because, you know, the puck turned around and went up the boards, and, you know, it was just such a great play, and the fact that Lauren was just coming back from the other side, and John Tonelli and I practiced that over and over and over again in, in the practices, you know, and we didn't have much success against our defenseman, but Daly was, he kind of came up on me, and I was able to, you know, break away from him and get free, and John Tonelli made just the perfect I mean, it seems like a really difficult play because Tonelli had to turn his stick around. He didn't. He did not make a backhand pass pass on his left. You know. Yeah. Well, the interesting around. thing was that the their defenseman Dupont, because John was a, a, a left-handed shot, you know, he could have taken a shot there. So Dupont had a stick on that side. You know what I mean? And so Johnny just pulled back and passed it over to me, and he gave it hard enough where I I could just deflect it. And it was just such a great pleasure to see him going to the net. You, what do you feel? What do you think when you when you see that? Does it ever get old? No, it doesn't. And, and you know, my my first thought, and I tell this over and over again. My first thought was, "Thank God this is over," because I mean, it really is truly a difficult thing to get into the Stanley Cup Finals. Um, you know, it's very grueling. I mean, all you basically do is you sleep eat and play hockey that's it don't have time for your family anything it's all focused on on winning the games did, did you ever dream of scoring a game winning goal or a cup winning goal as a kid oh, always did always did no matter what i was playing and i was i was an avid swimmer and, and i played baseball and i played all the, the, the different sports you know but yeah i always uh, we always watched the stanley cup you know while we were living up in Canada, and I mean, that was everyone's goal was to, to, to be in the Stanley Cup, even to play in the NHL, but to score a Stanley Cup winning goal, it, it, 
it was amazing. I mean, it's hard to believe that it's 40 years, 40 years since that <laughs> afternoon. You're telling me. <laughs> how, do you, how has that moment changed your life? You know, I would say that it's, you know, people have been so good to me on Long Island. Uh, you know, like I, I've worked, you know, like with the Islanders after I finished playing. I worked in a business, sold a business, started another business. So, you know, people have just uh, been so good to me. You know, everywhere I go, like when I first, you know, when we first won the cup, gosh, I, I couldn't buy dinner. I couldn't buy my drink. People would just be buying me drinks and dinner and everything like that. So, and, and you know, when I got involved with a lot of charities and, and, and people are just very, very responsive. I, I really have to say that Long Island, uh, the people there are just very, very generous with their donations to different charities and different causes. At the end of the second period, Tonelli fed you the puck right in front of that. You tipped it in. And the broadcaster, Dan Kelly, said that that may be the biggest goal that Bob Nystrom will ever score. He was a little bit wrong about that. <laughs> <laughs> no, he was. I thought we were, hey, we did think that we had it uh, won already. And mm -hmm. We walked into the locker room and we kind of got a little bit uh, lax. And, uh, it didn't take Philadelphia very long to tie it up. And coming into the, the dressing room after the third period was a little bit more might say so. And who who was the guy who said, I'm going to score the goal to win the game? I'm not sure. You know, that's um, everyone in the room, you know, usually someone would say it. I was, I was actually in the back bathroom. I had um, gone into the, um, the training room and I had gotten a scalpel. And I was sitting in the back bathroom and I was carving a notch in my stick, signifying that I was going to score the goal. So I don't, I didn't know who yelled it out, but uh, needless to say, it was always yelled out and everyone in the room would say, I am, I am on this one. Now, was that a signal to yourself or did you tell anybody that you made that notch in your stick? I didn't tell a soul. I, I don't, don't, the only thing that I regret is in the pandemonium afterwards, I lost that stick. And really? uh, no, I didn't tell a soul. It was just my way of kind of calming down a little bit and, you know, saying to myself, I'm, I'm going to go out there and get it. So you don't, nobody has any idea what happened to the stick? So, uh, this one gentleman called me and he says, I think I have that stick, but uh, it was just a dent, you know, in, in the stick itself. And it wasn't a, like I carved it, you know, it wasn't very deep, but I mean, it, it was more straight. You know what I mean? But I, I would like to have that stick. What happened to the puck? Uh, no idea. No idea. I mean, you just couldn't. I mean, everybody in that building was on the ice, it seemed like, after the game. So um, I'm not sure who got it. So how was it that you were on the line with, with Henning and Tonelli and not Wayne Merrick? When did that change? You know what? Wayne got hurt. And so he wasn't able to play. And so Lauren was kind of subbed in for us. And I was so happy for him because, you know, he was usually just a penalty killer, him and Billy Carroll and Butch. And so for him to, to make that play and to be out there when we scored the winning goal, I, I just thought it was such a, a good thing for him because he's one of the most positive guys on the bench. Never said a negative word, sat there. When Al called on him and Billy to go up and kill a penalty, they'd go and do the job. 
Um, no, it, it, I, I was very, very happy for him. Well, it was you, Henning, and Gary Howard who were still there at that point from the first year. The only three guys there for right. the first year. Did you guys have a special bond at that point or afterwards because you've been there from the dark, from the before even the darkest days started? Yeah, well, I actually just talked to Gary out the other day. I, he and I roomed together. <laughs> I mean, he, he was a wild man. He was one of the toughest little guys that you could ever imagine. And, and so I touched base with him the other day. And Lord, I see once in a while. He, he'd been over in Switzerland, uh, you know, coaching over there. But both those guys, I, I, I think the world of them. Howie and I lived together for the longest time. And he, he's just a super nice guy. He lives out in Arizona now. And how often do you see how often do you see each other? We don't see each other all that much, but you know he has helped me with my business, and, and you know so I, I try to touch base with him, you know, fairly regular. Um, but uh, I don't see him that much. I mean, the very first Islander from the amateur draft was Billy Harris, and he would have been there to celebrate mm -hmm. with you, except just before the end of the season, maybe several weeks before the end of the season, is when Bill Torrey made the big trade when he traded right. to right. Harris, and you guys got Butch Goring, and that, that's, that was acknowledged then and has been acknowledged since as the one move that put you guys over the top. How did you see it at the time? Well, you hate to see any of your teammates get traded. You know, Dave Lewis went with them, and, um, you know, but... I mean, looking at it in hindsight, I mean, it, it was just a phenomenal deal. Uh, we got Butch, we got uh, Kenny Morrow, and also Gordy Lane. And Butch was, he had the one thing that we really, really needed was a second-line centerman. And he also was one of the most positive guys on the bench. Uh, he was always, always on the positive side. And so he meant so much to us because he, he centered the second line and then he also penalty killed. And so, but Kenny Moore was a, a big find and so was Gordy Lane. They added a new dimension to the team as well. I mean, how, how would you like to be Kenny Morrow to go from winning the Olympics and the Miracle at Lake Placid? Yeah. Right after that, he joined the Islanders uh, from the Olympics. Goes on to win the Stanley Cup a few months later and does it three more times. <laughs> A heck of a way to start your career. Yeah, no, that's um, that's quite an accomplishment. You know, I I, I think, and, and I watch the Olympics all the time, and, and you know, like you only get one chance. You know, like in, in, in hockey, they, you know, there's a four-game or seven-game series. You know, but in, in the Olympics, you got one chance, and uh, it was just wonderful to see the, the 80 team win the, uh, the gold. You guys started off with two hard seasons, the way most expansion teams do. And, and then right away, after that, you became contenders. The next year, beating the Rangers in the opening round and then going all the way to the conference finals with two miraculous comebacks, uh, beating Pittsburgh down 0-3 right. and then taking Philadelphia down 0-3 to the seventh game uh, before they won in Philadelphia on that Sunday afternoon. The Kate Smith, uh, that was the Kate Smith season when right. they yeah, had, her, yeah. had, her, had her sing in person before. No, they, I never liked her. <laughs> <laughs> well, you might have liked her before, but I'm sure you didn't like her after that game, right? No, that's for sure. And then you went to the, cup, the sorry, then you went to the conference finals four out of five years 
The one time that you didn't was when Lanny McDonald scored that overtime goal, which was equal, yeah. equally heartbreaking in, in Nassau County. Did you, did you think that you would break through, or was it just going to be like, say, you know, wait, or do you think it was just going to be wait till next year, like in Brooklyn, with the Dodgers all those years, like so close, but you were never, never felt that you'd actually get over the hump? Well, I have to say that, you know, we never lost sight of what we wanted to accomplish, but um, it, it was like Edmonton, you know, after they went on the roll. It really is an education process to be in the playoffs because, first of all, your nerves are really high, you know, like you're nervous. And the thing is that you don't want to make a mistake and you have to really learn how to play in the playoffs because, uh, you know, it's just a different attitude. And I think that the, the, the guy that really uh, brought the Cups home to, to Long Island was Al Arbor because he taught us, but it, it, it's a slow process. I mean, I thought we were gonna get this, you know, like I thought they were gonna change the team and get rid of some of the guys, you know, in 79 when we lost to the Rangers, but they hung tight and uh, got Butch and as I said, Kenny Morrow and also Gordy Lane. And um, it's just a feeling that you're not worried about making a mistake. I would always say, don't fear losing you got to just have a burning desire to win. And uh, he was an amazing motivator. I, I give him all the credit for the cuts. Well, I mean, you said that you had to learn how to deal with the playoff pressure. What is it that you think that you learned through those experiences? Well, I'm, I'm going to give you, a, you know, something that he said that I think really hit home with me. Um, and, 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 and it goes along, he says, don't fear losing. You know, if you lose, you know what? You're going to go home, you're going to wake up tomorrow, the sun's going to come up, and everything will be fine. But he says, wouldn't you rather be the guy that's on his toes, going at them, at them, at them, attacking, attacking, and wanting to score the winning goal, rather than the guy that sits on his heels and is afraid of making a mistake. And that, I think, has been a lesson that has really helped me for the rest of my life, you know, because you do want to be positive and go and go and go as compared to being afraid. Can you give an example of, um, of a crossroads you faced in life where that advice came into your mind and you applied it? Yeah, the first year. When we when we went into the series with uh, the seven games against Pittsburgh, I, I was a leading scorer on the team, and I think I maybe got one goal in the playoffs. That was it, the entire playoffs, right? And that's what I that's when I really felt that that lesson was so important because you can only do your best. That's all you can do. If you lose, you lose, but. You can't be there being cautious. You, you got to go at it. You know, just before the NHL shut down in March, John Tonelli's number 27 was retired. It was a great ceremony. Of course, still being worn on the team by Andrews Lee, the captain. And so was Butch Goring's around the same time, 91. 
Right. And I'm, I'm wondering, were you there for either of those games? Were you there for other retirement, number of retirement games of you know, like Bossy, Billy Smith, Elise Bodvin, Charlie, and guys like So, of course, your own number 23 was retired, but were you there for the right. other guys also? Yes, absolutely. And let me tell you what, I pushed for my linemate. Uh, I mean, I really wanted him to have his number raised to the Raptors because he was uh, one of the hardest working guys, you know, and unfortunately he and Bill Torrey got into a little bit of a, you know, battle, but, you know, he scored some of the biggest goals or assisted on, on the goals, you know, some of the biggest goals in Islander history. And I, I always felt that he belonged up there. And needless to say, I you know, talk about Butch and, you know, Butch was the same way, you know, he came in and he, he helped us win the Stanley Cup. And, both of those guys deserved it. I was there for every one of them. <laughs> so uh, it's always great to see, you know, we, we were a close group of guys, and it's always good to see, you know, guys get the accolades that they deserve. You know, as I think back to that period, it was such an interesting era of 12 years or so, because right before the Islanders went on that great run, the Canadians had won four straight, right after the Edmonton Oilers won four straight. And I'm wondering where you would place the Islanders in that group or in any, any group of strong teams throughout the history of the NHL. Well, you know, that's a pretty tough question. I, I think that, that I, I would put us right up there with the, with the best ever. Um, you know, I mean, the game has changed so dramatically. I mean, from the time that Montreal went on the tear and, you know, from the years that, that – uh, Boston was there, it's, you just can't compare because the game now is faster. Everyone's bigger, faster, stronger. Um, It's absolutely incredible. And, but I'll I'll, I'll put the Islanders up there with with anybody that that has won the cup. So in that period, the bad times and of course the good times, and you were there for a long time, what was it like for you in terms of the community, the relations with fans, the relations with neighbors, people you knew. It's not, Long Island's not a city, it's kind of a region, very spread out. And I'm wondering what it was like, what was what it was like for you to live in that area at that time? Well, you know, I, we were all country guys. We were country boys that grew up in small towns in, in Canada. And, and you know what, Long Island to a certain extent is, is that. You know, I mean, people go into the city and they work in the city and things like that, but, but they were our kind of people and, and they took us into their community, you know. Um, people used to, they, they would laugh at us, you know, when we you know, took the parade down Hempstead Turnpike. And for us, we were riding in pickup trucks and we were riding in dump trucks. And, and, and you know what? That was us. Um, you know, I would sit at the Coliseum on the bench and I'd be watching the fans and, and, and I could see all my friends coming down. I mean, we had such a close-knit relationship with uh, the fans on Long Island and they treated us like gold. You stayed in the, in the area. Do you go to many games season to season? You know, I do. I do. Um, you know, I, I started spending a little bit more time down in Florida <laughs> to get out of the cold. So I don't see as many. I, I watch them on TV. I mean, it's, it's, it's easier, you know. But, um, no, I, I'm, I'm a huge Islander fan. 
Uh, I would have to say that uh, I enjoy watching the guys. Uh, they've got a great group of guys that I've met, you know, not necessarily all of them, but I've met a lot of them. And you know what? Their attitude is, is the same as, as what we had. And they're very down to earth and very humble. You know, there's something else important that happened during the dynasty, which was that your son was born right before the, four, the fourth cup, right? right? Can you tell me what that was? I know it was during the season, not the, not the playoffs, but what do you remember of that experience coming as it did during the season and in route to another cup victory? Well, it, it, it was great. You know, like, I mean, I was just so happy that he was born that year because I, I have three, well, I have four blown up photos there. I mean, huge, huge of my daughter sitting in the cup. So the first three years, we put her in the cup and we took photos, right? Mm -hmm. And so he was born, you know, uh, for the fourth cup. And, and so we put him in the cup and my, my daughter standing is right, is standing right next to him. And so he was thrilled by that. But um, no, he, and he went on to play hockey too, which is a real tribute to him. But uh, he, he likes that photo where he's sitting in the cup and where sitting beside him. Wow. I mean, he had a 10-year career. Eric did, had a 10-year career in the yeah. NFL. Very, um, very impressive. And I'm wondering what it was like for you as a dad to see this kid who was sitting in the cup as an infant, your cup, going on to an NHL career. Mm -hmm. You know, it's very nerve-wracking. Mm -hmm. You know, when you're playing, you know, you don't really think of that. You go and you get your first hit, and then, you know, you're But to watch him play, uh, you know, as a young kid and, and watch him improve, and, and then you know he went to University of Michigan, played there for four years. But it's it's nerve wracking, <laughs> you know, because you can't really do anything for him. You you got to just cheer him on. But uh, he had a wonderful career, and, and you know, for him to come off Long Island, and, and it's a number of boys that, that we coached, you know, Jerry Hartai and a couple of the other guys that made it to the pros, and you know, it was just really phenomenal to see them do well. Did, did you go watch them a lot on the road or when they came into New York? A lot. We, if, if they had a doubleheader in Michigan, Michelle and I would drive up. You know, we, um, we, we would go to a lot of games. I mean, you know, college hockey or college sports is absolutely incredible. The only issue that I had is that my daughter went to Ohio State. And Ooh. so there's such a rival of uh -huh. Michigan. So we did uh, Ohio State football and Michigan hockey. <laughs> well, and did, and when, once he was in the AHL, of course, he did not play for a New York team, but did you get to see him a lot play? Sorry, did you get to we see him? We did, as a matter of fact. Yeah, we, uh, you know, we, we, you know, he went to, you know, a lot of different teams. You know, I mean, we went to Nashville, you know, quite a bit, uh, you know, where he ended his career. But uh, we also went to Calgary and, you know, Dallas. So we, we would try to follow as much as we possibly could. Bobby, I'm wondering, to, to put our conversation in the context of the times, which is this terrible coronavirus situation, I'm wondering what your life is like now, what your routine is compared to what it had been before the shutdown, before society kind of closed up for these two-plus months at this point. Well, I, I can still do business. You know, I'm sitting in my office right now, you know, at the house. And so I, I, I still do business, but, um, you know, I'm, a, I'm an avid exercise guy. Uh, so, you know, usually I, I would get up in the morning, you know, like we, we leave here about you 
quarter to quarter to seven. And I, I go biking. Um, and I'll ride 25, 30. I rode 50 miles the other day. Um, and then I set up a gym in my um, in my garage. And so I, I, I work out pretty heavily. I we just started, they opened up the tennis courts, and so I, I played quite a bit of tennis as well. So what does your gut tell you? Do you think that the NHL is going to resume? I'm hoping that they do, but it, it's, it's so hard. You know, like, I'm very paranoid about this coronavirus. Mm -hmm. uh, I've had some friends that uh, have been affected by it, and I'll, I'll tell you what, it's, it's not pleasant from what they tell me. And so I'm laying low for a while. I think that the NHL has to really look at it closely. Uh, because you know you certainly wouldn't want someone getting sick and, and dying because they you know started the season again. But I, I think that you've got capable people there that will look at every situation and, and they'll make the right decision. And how how have you stayed healthy throughout? Very much so. I've um, you know no issues here. But uh, when I go out, I mean, I, I have a uh, little pail up in front of the house that we wash all our food that we get from the grocery store. Mm -hmm. we're, we're very, very careful. Uh, same thing when we order in, you know, we, uh, we take all the containers off, you know, uh, rinse them if we can. And, uh, you know, so we're, we're, we're pretty cautious. The, the last thing I was going to ask you was what, what is it that you're looking forward to once this crisis ends? Well, the thing that I think has happened, you know, which again, and I, I think of Long Island and I think of, you know, how people are up there. And I've seen, you know, what they've done, you know, like as far as, you know, donating food, donating money, giving masks. I mean, they're, they're, they're on top of it. And, and I think that as much as it's hurt the country, you know, like from a financial position, I think that it brings people together. Uh, a little bit more, you know, to to really take care of those people that need help. And, and God, I mean, the doctors and the hospitals, I mean, they've just been overwhelmed and they've done such a terrific job. So uh, I, I think that we're going to get out of this and I, I truly believe that, that we'll be better for it. Well, I'll tell you, Bobby, I have enjoyed talking to you tremendously and I love that in the background on your shelf, I see four small replica Stanley Cups, and there's nothing, nothing that makes me happier to see in the background. <laughs> yeah, you know, this, I, I thank my wife for the, the decoration, but uh, you know what? I'm, I'm pretty proud of those. I, I really am. And, and you know, like, um, it, it reminds me of, of the times I had with some of the greatest friends and players that I've, you know, played with up in, in New York. And, uh, no, it, it, it's a good reminder of, of some great times. Well, Bobby and Ashton, thank you so much for speaking with me on Hillel Cutler's ABC's Athletics Beyond Coronavirus. And let's just really hope that we put coronavirus behind us. And I wish you and your family the best of health. Yeah, and same to you. You stay safe and certainly stay in the air conditioning where you are. Mm -hmm.